0: Is the last piece of audio in this episode that I'm speaking. I tend to put the um, segments of audio that I'm speaking into an episode towards the start of an episode and push the stuff that I've said prior yeah, further along yeah, so you, when you listen to my podcast and any of my episodes, it tends to be the case that you're listening to what I said last first and what I said first last. Yeah, that's just my habit. I like doing it that way because I get bored doing everything in order. Yeah. And anyway, Jesus said to do it that way. He said, um, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. You know? The meek shall be strong and the strong shall be meek. Did he say that? Uh, Geez, there'd be a lot of bouncing going along, you know, because as soon as you made the meek strong, they'd be strong. You know, and as soon as you made the strong meek, they'd be meek. And then suddenly they'd have to flip back again, you know. So as soon as you were rendered meek... Oh, my God, you know what I'm getting at. Anyway, this episode's going to be, comma, and has been about... coronavirus. Um... And as my last piece of audio for this episode, I'll just mention what you said this morning, Harley, on the way to school as I drove you and your sister to school. Um, and Harley, you really couldn't care less. You know. Oh, you're in just started year seven now. You know, you're growing up, and it's it's your third day at Saint you know. C's. And um, and you don't really get, you, you know, you got teased a little bit in primary school because Donald Trump had been president for about a year and you didn't know who he was. And someone mentioned Donald Trump in class. You, you would have been in, I, I'm guessing, what, year five then or year four. And um, someone mentioned Donald Trump and you said, who's he? And you came home and asked me, who's he? Everyone's laughing at me because I don't know who he is. And I said, you just stay the way you are, You are Harley, because, you know, everyone cares too much. You're better the way you are. Yeah. But anyway, a little bit too late. Um, you, Harley, um, are starting to sort of twig that this thing called coronavirus is in the air. Look, I think you've known about it, but you haven't mentioned it. And um, Scarlet, uh, all fake names. You know, I don't use real names in this podcast. Your older sister uh, said in the car this morning they're burning them, you know, uh, which is what the what Ch- China is doing. They're they're burning the bodies, you know, uh, as fast as they can, which is probably wise. You know? um, but anyway, um, are they counting them all? <laughs> that's the question. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that that's neither here nor there. Um, but this morning, uh, you Harley, you were half listening. And you heard the comment by Scarlett, who was speaking to me. You were in the back of the car. she was in the front of the car with me, and you heard the comment from Scarlet to me, uh, that they're burning them, yeah, these people with coronavirus, yeah? and you piped up and had an opinion, the first opinion you've had about coronavirus since the whole thing started. you know, and your comment was, and I think you were a bit upset. About the fact that they that they were burning people with coronavirus, you know, and um, you said, I actually think they should shoot them first. I'll just uh, you know let that one just slide. You know? um, but I do accept um, that. Uh, I guess we shouldn't take it for granted. Um, Oh, I'll just leave it alone. Let's get on with the episode. But you were being nice, Harley, I know that much. You are a very lovely person, and I think you were being um, humane, really. Uh, Okay, on with the episode. the best thing to use, the most effective thing to use. So there are concerns uh, a little bit about the spread of the virus. The the main thing we've seen over here is there have been a couple of cases where Asian people have boarded a bus or something like that and and been coughing or or, or blowing their nose or something. We've had people uh, asking them to go back to China or or something like that, even though they might be New Zealand-born. And so there is that sort of uh, racial side of things and, and a little bit of concern coming through over here. Uh, which we're starting to notice have you been speaking to any new zealand residents that have been that are being evacuated from china do you, have you been in contact with yeah, anyone there? it's wall-to-wall news on the coronavirus uh, that's about as much as i ever hear you know stuff on the radio uh, there's a lot on social media i know this uh although i've not seen any of it until about 20 minutes ago i've just driven my wife into work, and uh, look, back in the old days, you really were a little bit detached from the feel of a disaster, Uh, you know, when you lived in a small country town, like like I did when I was a kid, uh, you um, heard about disastrous things happening overseas, you know, famines, pestilence, disease, all this sort of stuff. You know, and war and all that sort of thing uh, but the first you'd hear about it was in a newspaper the next day or the next week even or sometimes you didn't hear about it at all yeah you know, uh, yeah you know, there could be something you know that people find out about now within seconds and it's viral and um, but back then if it didn't make the newspapers um, it, you wouldn't you would never even you would never know about it you know there's um, but now, um, people find out about these things and and really feel these things because they're in contact with them. Uh, now I'm not. I've distanced myself from social media and pretty much live media as well. You know, mainstream media that's live. I don't watch TV at all. Um, uh, I've distanced myself from that sort of immediate contact with the feel of something like coronavirus in my life because it was overload you know so i i tend to just you know i go to a coffee shop in the morning and read the paper and find out what's been happening in the world then uh I don't see news on my phone very much uh, because i've got i I do have a link um, I tried to delete my news off my phone uh, but then you know my wife would send me something or someone else would send me or my g d would send me something and say have a look at this, and I wasn't able to because I needed the app to actually see it you know so I don't want to see news I don't want to see it too live, you know um, because you get too close to it in a way, you know, there's a million disasters going on over the world, all over the world, and you're spending your life in a, in a disaster zone at all times, I don't know what the right balance is, you know, um, but the point is, I'm a little bit detached, um, you know, a disaster like this coronavirus, I'm a little bit detached like I used to be when I was young, you know, I've chosen to do that, uh, yeah, but I'll put the radio on and you do um, but back then you did too but it's still detached I mean that little bit of audio then you know you can be driving along and you're not quite feeling the tragedy um, you know there's a little hint of um, the effect on Chinese people in a place like New Zealand then you know the racism angle um, and, and I discussed that in the episode coming up actually uh, but then again Hong Kong people have that exact same attitude towards mainland Chinese at the moment and they're wanting the borders closed and they're highly suspicious of anyone from mainland China and uh, I actually did see an article on that and um, Hong Kong Chinese people, racially Chinese, uh, um, are much more what you might call viciously racist against mainland Chinese than, for example, the New Zealanders are at the moment. I I, I could find the... No, I couldn't find the article. But, look, just imagine that I'm telling the truth. You know what I mean? That um, Hong Kong people um, are viciously racist... Racist, you know, against... mainland Chinese, look, they're not racist because they're the same race, but if it was New Zealand doing what the Hong Kong people are doing, you would be calling them racist, so it is racist, but it's not at the same time. Did that make any sense? Um, But um, just today, now this coronavirus has been going for a long time, and I I keep losing track of when it started, it could be two months, Um, and I actually can't remember when it started. Uh, However, Um, for the first time my wife was just in the car now was in the car just now and she uh, you know she doesn't get into social media either however she does have Facebook and um, can see things you know so she shows me something she shows me things sometimes and she showed me some footage out of China of people suffering and it was genuine you know, I, I saw a woman in a hospital screaming, you know, clearly someone she's, well, I would imagine someone she has, lo- she loves, has died, maybe it's her child for all I know, you know. Um, and the anguish, you know, was shocking. Um, uh, and uh, it sobered me up a little bit, you know, because I've been a bit detached. Um, and as she showed me other footage, you know, just people lying in the street, body bags, and a whole lot of, um, people in R2-D2 type uniforms, you know, um, officials in suits, you know, uh, rushing in and carrying, and dragging the body away, and, uh, my wife was saying that, um, and then they quickly burn it, you know, um, that person suddenly never existed, you know, straight into the furnace, no funeral, no anything, um. You know, maybe you know that person's um, brother doesn't know where that person disappeared to. Didn't even know that he had coronavirus, and that person's brother is never heard from again, and there was no record that he even. You know, this sort of thing—it's actually shocking. You know, um, and as she was playing it, you know, we were stopped at the lights, and she just turned her phone. To me, and showed me some of this footage. This is the sort of stuff I would never have seen back in the old days, and wouldn't have got emotionally involved with. Uh, yeah. But today I did. But up to today, um, I haven't actually, you know, um, emotionally um, uh, sort of look. Sometimes maybe I have. I said, like, "Geez, it must be rough." for the people dying of coronavirus over there. But I I think you have to see it to start feeling it a little bit. You can try and use your imagination and you you always know, you know, there's children starving here and there all over the world at the moment of hunger. And I'm a bit detached from that, you know. I don't spend all day uh, closing my eyes, and, uh, putting myself into a zen state to place myself in the shoes of the parents whose children are starving to death right in front of them, I should, if I was a good person I would do that all day long, um, but I don't Uh, and I'm not a good person, uh, to that level there are people who are good people to that level you know, they're always, um in a constant state of deep compassion, uh and empathy uh, for people in strife you know there are people like that you know I know a couple uh, and um, and some of those people end up working for the UN and you know uh, and going around and just spending their entire lives doing nothing else except desperately um, running around saving people and you know they're just angels, really, for the for the people that they save at least. I'm not that at all. You know, I'm far from that. But you know, all of that, you know, be all of that as it may. Um, yeah, I, I just said, well, that sobered me up. You know, but aside from that, you know, but uh, the following, I've got an episode coming up, and I recorded it before I saw all that stuff. Look, I knew that all that stuff was happening. Um now I know a little bit tempted to just delete the episode coming up, but I'm not going to um, so I'll just let it let it sit there, make of it what you will it, it, it um it's a bit of a diary of coronavirus over the last couple of weeks, you know, the episode that's coming up because every now and again I just jump or well, not the last couple of weeks, I think it's been about one week when I started the episode that's coming up. And it's a bit of a, a diary of um, stuff I've just heard on the grapevine, usually people sending me stuff or what I've seen in the newspapers or here and there, uh, and it's my diary. But it's a diary by someone who's um, not connected into, the, uh, into social media or the internet or anything like that as such, so it's, um, if I was a social media user and, uh, and was exposed to a constant stream of opinion for, for in the first place um, and, um, and right thinking, you know, because social media um, teaches you how to speak right and think right, you know, um, you know, think right according to whatever, Bubble, you're in what do they call that? Um, 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 there's a word for it, echo chamber, you know. And I think social media modifies your behavior and your thought processes, you know. And my thought processes and behavior are not modified in the following. Um, so let's just hear what a reasonably detached person made of coronavirus over the last couple of weeks. And uh, and that'll be the episode done. This bit of audio you just listened to uh, has been spoken uh, after everything that is coming up now. China lockout. No one from China can visit Australia right now. Uh, I think Pauline Hansen might have started the coronavirus. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Let's say I'm at the door by your action. Right. Do you do? I will. I will spring into action. I know exactly what I'm doing. Go by the door. Come on. Positions, everybody. We're playing a prank on oh, my wife. Uh, now, uh, I have to dress up as a woman and act normal. Oh, the things you do for your son. Now, um, I think Pauline Hanson uh, might have started the coronavirus. Now, if you're a person who gets into conspiracies, you're going to say I was a bit silly there. Yeah. Pauline Hansen had no opportunity to start the coronavirus, you know, I'm almost certain that Pauline Hanson uh, wasn't in China at all at the time. It's not on her itinerary. It's not in her holiday plans. Um, To be in China ever. Yeah. Uh, has she ever been, actually? You know, sometimes these things are not as obvious as they seem. You know? Sometimes you find, you know, someone... You know, is you know a China hater or something, and then you find out actually they've got some Chinese friends. You know, I often get tricks like that, you know? and and you know, and their rhetoric is about something deeper. I don't think it's about anything much deeper. Uh, with Pauline Hanson, she's into populism, which sometimes I can't distinguish from democracy. <laughs> anyway, um, conspiracy. Yes, so what do they do? Um, They'd say yes. She had no opportunity. She couldn't have started it. Uh, She's not a a bat whisperer. She's not a bat whisperer. Um, You're being ridiculous, Charlie. Uh, Ah, yes. What if, what if, she could have started it? What then? Well, that's obvious, you know, if she could have, well then it would have been a case of, she did, and they would reply, that's how conspiracy theorists work. Stop the press. First Briton to catch coronavirus says he beat illness with hot toddy. By Ross Ibbotson for Mail Online at 238 AM on the third of february 2020. Okay, so that's today. Daily Mail, okay. Uh, Connor Reed, twenty five, from Wales, has been working as an English teacher in Wuhan. He caught the deadly coronavirus around two months ago and went to hospital. But Mr. Reed refused drugs and whisked up a hot toddy with whiskey and honey. It's an old fashioned remedy, but it seemed to do the trick, Mr. Reed said. Okay, that's the summary at the start of the article, and then the article goes on to say uh, The first Briton to contact coronavirus in Wuhan claims he shook off the deadly illness with a hot toddy after refusing antibiotics. Antibiotics, okay? And I just couldn't resist, I had, that, had to send that one to a maid. And I texted my maid. Um, I think we have our breakthrough. All we need to do now is sequence this bloke and find out which chromosome is missing. That's all I texted. But the obvious sort of vaccine, as such, if you could call it that, uh, would be then would be to then remove that chromosome from the rest of us. Problem solved. The vaccine worked, sir. None of us has. Coronavirus anymore. We're all intellectually disabled now, but we've been cured. Ethiopians slam their government for not stopping China flights uh, by somebody, you know. Siku Kamiria, whoever that is, three hours ago, with the death toll of coronavirus, now having passed 300, and more than 14,000 infections confirmed, the World Health Organisation open brackets, WHO close brackets, has declared the virus a global health emergency, okay, and the Director General of the WHO is an Ethiopian, as it turns out, but that's irrelevant for the purposes of this, alright. Now, um, but the Ethiopians have decided to um, uh, to not isolate China. See, the Australians and the uh, United States of Americans, uh, we were the first two to say, no, we're blocking every chi- flight from China. Yeah. Um, now, Ethiopia has gone the opposite tack. You know? Now, uh, China itself has said that Australia and the US have overreacted, you know, I think their attitude has been, listen, we've gone over the top ourselves here in China to contain the virus, you know, we didn't need you to go uh, over the top as well, we went over the top, you know, by choice ourselves, and we've done a wonderful job of containing the virus as much as we can, and, you know, sequencing it and everything else, we're doing all the right things, but thanks a lot, guys, for not being part of the team, thanks a lot, you know, for cancelling, cancelling all flights from China. Yeah, which is what we've done in Australia and what they've done in the United States as well. Anyway, Ethiopia has gone the opposite. Uh, Ethiopian Air, well, Airlines um, uh, at Fly Ethiopian um, hasn't put out a statement. Statement on flights to China, yeah, and from China is one of the strongest and one of the oldest markets for Ethiopian Airlines. You know, I, I, is it state-owned? It's a kind of country, I think. It's a bit socialist. It's a kind of country where the airline would be state-owned, I think. You know, it is a fairly socialist country in spirit. Okay. Um Yeah, they're a social democracy or a democratic socialism or you know whatever. Um, we have been connecting the great now you gotta get the grammar. Oh, we have been connecting the great Chinese nation with the entire continent of African... It actually says that, of African, for almost half a century. So I'll say sick. I'll start again. And I'll read it exactly as they've got it. China is one of the strongest and one of the oldest markets for Ethiopian airlines. We have been connecting the great Chinese nation with the entire continent of African... Um, for almost half a century, and it is our growth strategic market. We are operating our regular flights to all our five gateways in China, Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, Chengdu and Hong Kong, with the usual supply and demand adjustment that we always make during the Chinese New Year holidays. We are also working together with all relevant Chinese and Ethiopian authorities to protect our passengers and our crew from the coronavirus disease in full compliance with IATA, WHO CDC guidelines. We would like to take this opportunity to thank the people and the government of China for their unreserved hang on uh, support And we would like to reassure our full commitment to stand with them at all times. Now, they may be being foolish and risking their own people with coronavirus. Uh, But then again, you know, China might read that and say, you're actually, you know, we're being responsible together. We are a team, you you and we. Uh, you Ethiopia, and we China um, and I think they would respond very positively to that. Is that a bad thing what Ethiopian airlines have done? Well, you know, choose your poison, you know, make an enemy of China like Australia has, rather you know they'll continue to do business with us, you know, but rather um or uh you know, risk infection, you know. You know, risk management is about weighing up the risks. It's not about eliminating the risks. You know, we're all taking on risks, you know. There's been a couple of coronavirus cases end up in Australia regardless, you know. Um, uh, Ethiopia did the wrong thing. Well, the world isn't black and white anyway, you know. You've got to balance up. Um, You risk your own people all the time, you know, you can't get in high and mighty on this and say, well, we Australians would never put our people at risk. Well, we did for the first couple of weeks before we blocked China, didn't we? You know, so. anyway, I texted my GD about that and, um, and, you know, when I text her, I don't I'm not necessarily texting what I think, you know, so it's, it's almost a dialectic starter more than anything. It's not me Uh, making a statement about what I think. It's me, you know, saying, yeah, I'll I'll put one spin on this and see what spin you make of that. Uh, And, you know, sometimes she doesn't make a spin of it at all. But here we go. My text reads, Ethiopia government is spotting that it can take a risk and do some business, while the rest of the world plays the safety before economy card. This has got all the way with China written all over it. I personally see it as a pretty strategically good move, thinking ahead, because angry is, oh, sorry, angry is China. You know, China is angry at US and Australia for chopping them off so brutally, and has said so. End of text. That's all I wrote, you know. Now, I could just as easily have um, written a text, and just as readily written a text, Saying the opposite to that, yeah, but I didn't. I I decided to take that tack. Yeah, that um, that it's a pretty strategically good move. Now I could have just as easily written her a text saying, "Ethiopia, are um, you know? I can't believe that they are risking their people like that. You know, just for a few bucks, they would um, sell. You know." put their people at risk of, you know, if I was, if I had a child and it was killed by coronavirus as a result of Ethiopia's um, or Ethiopian Airlines um, policy here, I think I would take a flamethrower to the government and the airline, you know. You can take that approach, you know, people often bring it back to their personal experience, if that was my daughter, you know, but governments can't think like that. You can't actually... Um, if you're a world leader, you can't think, now if, if that was my daughter, what would I do? You can't think like that. You've got to risk some people. You cannot. Uh, you've got to kill people if you're a world leader. There's no way out of it. You know, put a bit more money into uh, education and you're taking away from health, you know, and killing a few people. There's no two ways around it, you know. Okay, that's all. Yeah, just a thought to get to get things kicking along on this episode on coronavirus. Let's kick it along. I was just now thinking, you know, just for the exercise, you know, I don't have to be right. You know, this doesn't have to be a good idea. But I was just thinking what would be a rationale for the Ethiopian government or Ethiopia Airlines yeah, or perhaps they're one and the same thing. I don't know. It really doesn't matter for the purposes of this. Uh, they could be arm's length, one and the same thing. I suspect that's at least the truth. But I was just trying to think of a rationale uh, for Ethiopia risking its own people, uh, you know, putting them at risk of catching coronavirus For the sake of keeping in good with China, let's say, economically and trade-wise. Look, China is doing huge things in Ethiopia at the moment. I know they've built a massive railway going from Djibouti across to Addis Ababa and has the Renaissance Dam in Ethiopia, which is going to be the lifeblood, of the Chinese economy- uh, sorry the Ethiopian economy coming up in the next number of years. has that got China written all over it? I can't remember. I'm sure it's got Chinese money going into that. the Renaissance dam. but look whichever way you slice it. Uh, China uh, no doubt uh, is vitally important to Ethiopia's economy in the next 10, 20, 30, and 50 years. Ethiopia and China both think in uh, in in the long term, you know. Um, places like America and Australia, we tend to think in five-year terms, you know. But um, these countries, Ethiopia, China, and so on, you know, they, they think in terms of 100 years, and 200 years, and 1,000 years, you know. Both those countries, uh, a thousand years from now China most likely will still be very Chinese and Ethiopia most likely will still be very Ethiopian, you know, very Habesha as they call it uh, you know, whereas Australia could be anything and so could the UK and so could the USA um, Yeah, um, so, um, but I was trying to think of a rationale for Ethiopia's uh, thinking in uh, putting their people at risk of coronavirus for the sake of um, staying in good with China. And it wasn't hard to come up with something, whether it's a good one or not. Uh, And the one I came up with was, you know, they could have done the maths. Said, listen, yes, we could... We could... uh, end up with coronavirus in Ethiopia and it could wipe out a lot of people, you know, thousands. It could wipe out tens of thousands. I don't think, you know, I could be wrong, you know, but it doesn't matter if I could be wrong. You know, that doesn't invalidate my point, you know. If it does prove to be the case that everyone in Ethiopia gets wiped out, it doesn't invalidate my point that it's worth the risk. Perhaps. Ah, uh, so all right. Let's say medium worst case scenario: um, uh, one million people get wiped out. You know, they they probably said, "Look, that's probably the worst we can expect," because you know, in the past, SARS di- virus did go, did die off. MERS virus, I think, went away mostly. Um, these viruses do come and they do go. Usually, right now. Uh, but our relationship with China has to stay forever. Yeah? And um, all right, let's say we lost a million people, worst case scenario, let's say, uh, to um, coronavirus by not closing the borders to China. Yeah. And yeah, and and that's when social media would suddenly jump. I would say, if that was my daughter, I would kill you for even suggesting it. If that were, you know, just imagine that was your daughter, you know, getting killed by a coronavirus, and here you are, so blithely saying, you know, or well, maybe we'll put a million people at risk. How dare you? You know, that's the way social media thinks. Um, uh, but they might say, well, you know, we are fragile economically here. We yeah you know, they've got a locust plague coming out of Somalia right now, the Ethiopians it could be devastating. Yeah, you know. uh, they could have another on 1984 if that gets too bad, and there could be 10, 10 million people die of starvation. You know, and no Bob Geldof this time. You know something like that. Um, and you know we could have um, internal we could have. War, you know, it's um, politically Ethiopia is very fragile because the you know, the current president, uh, the current prime minister, uh, Dr. Abiy, has brought in a raft of changes. Uh, a major one being uh, getting it back on with Eritrea, you know, and that could blow up in everyone's face. You know, there's a lot of things going on in Ethiopia, and they could have done the calculations and sat around the table and said, look, in the long run, yes, we could lose a million people to um, coronavirus right now, but, you know, uh, all things considered, we might, might only be a thousand, and it possibly could be none. Right, let's balance that up against what are the risks of heartache, pain, suffering, and starvation, death, you know, for our people, if we do not maintain very loving links with China. And they might have said, listen, we're in a very fragile situation here. We're, you know, we are hemmed in between, uh, we're an island, you know, and to our East is Somali- war-torn Somalia. To our west is war-torn Sudan. Um, to our north is you know, the, the Middle East, say no more. Um, this is not an easy place to live here. Things can go wrong. Um, we are going to say that it's worth risking, probably in our best estimate, between 1,000 and 1 million people, but possibly no people, uh, we're going to weigh that up against the very strong likelihood that if we fall, if if everything goes to shit here in Ethiopia, um, famine-wise, locust-wise, war-wise, and a few other things-wise, and some refugees straight out of, um, refugees coming down from... um, the middle east say and so on and so forth you know which could have a devastating impact on our people and even trigger civil war and all that. oh and by the way um we're on the we're always teetering on uh, the edge of a of Ethiopia breaking up anyway you know tigray in the north is often not happy with um the Amharans sort of in the middle and the Oromos down south and all that sort of stuff. You know, this could, uh, Ethiopia could just, could break up. And when countries countries around here break up, they don't break up peaceably. They break up viciously, yeah. Um Yeah. All right, um, so, you know, they could have weighed that up and said, you know what, it's um, on balance. I think we are doing a good thing for our people. Uh, by risking risking a thousand of them or maybe a million of them um, to save potentially 10 million of them or 100 million of them through some other terrible um, fortune, you know, such as civil war or, you know, China saying, listen, you didn't help us out last time, so we're not helping you this time with the locusts or whatever, you know. So, you know, those those f- uh, calculations are made by people who are leaders of countries and uh, it doesn't help, you know, uh, when people jump onto social media, for example, and say, you have to protect your children uh, sorry, you have to protect your people from coronavirus, and you are not to weigh anything against that you know this is um this is how it should be. you must block China you know you must block China, and no discussion will be entered into this is not you know if it was my daughter you know, and they start talking like that if my daughter got killed by you not. Block, uh, by you not blocking China, I would never forgive you and you will, you will have been in the wrong. Well, all I'm saying is, you know, possibly no. You know, yes, your daughter has to die um, to save 10 other children through some other possible threat, you know, of civil war, blah, 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 if, you know, if Ethiopia should fall into turmoil um, through in not... No small part, not having a friend like China. Yeah, that, that. You know, that's. I came up with something. You, know, you might be able to come up with something better. It's just, it's, it's just the idea I'm getting across, not the exact example. His name was Tedros. Back in 1878. Well, the current Director General of the World Health Organization. Is Ethiopian, and his name is Tedros. too. There you go. Now, you didn't need to know that, did you? Reduce your risk of coronavirus infection. This is a sign I'm reading that somebody sent me, uh, person number one. Uh, and it's, it's a sign that the World Health Organization has put out, an official sign, you know. And it says... Clean hands with soap and water, you know, or alcohol-based hand rub, okay? Cover nose and mouth when coughing and sneezing with tissue or flexed elbow. Okay, avoid close contact with anyone with cold or flu-like symptoms. Thoroughly cook meat and eggs. Avoid unprotected sex with live, wild or farm animals. What? (laughs) I've a sheltered life. I that. wait a minute, what's that one? And worse still, there's a little image next to each. A sort of rule. And the first one, clean your hands. It's got, you know, soap. And the next one is cover your nose, you know, and it's got a box of tissues. The next one's got um, someone sneezing or something. Avoid people with colds, you know. And the next one, thoroughly cook meat and eggs. And that's got a pot, you know, on the boil. And then avoid unprotected sex uh, with live. Uh, presumably, you, you can still go for it if they're dead. Don't worry. <laughs> Chinese guy, whoever you are that caused this coronavirus, someone's done something to cause this. You, know, you only need one person. <laughs> avoid unprotected sex. Alright, you can have protected sex with dead animals. Oh dear. Anyway, um, you can even have unprotected sex with dead animals. You, you just can't have. Uh, avoid unprotected sex with live, wild or farm animals. Okay. And they give three images as examples against that one. Um, and the uh, it's a pig. Okay. <laughs> well, I suppose we got it on with the Neanderthals, didn't we? <laughs> um, okay, pigs. Chickens. Yeah, there's jokes about that. And there's a picture of bat. A bat. And that's what got me going. <laughs> anyway, so person number one sent me that. Uh, one of my friends sent me these guidelines from the World Health Organization, comma, capital W, capital T, capital F, five exclamation marks. So I replied because it's my duty. Yep. I replied, the sorts of things you would never dream of, going up, growing up in quiet Strathmore. Welcome to the world, alas. And then I wrote just as an added thing, P.S. I'm very concerned at the actual animals they've chosen to illustrate that one. I think I'll avoid wondering whether it's even possible with a bat, for example. <laughs> uh, now, one, now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nine, ten. I got ten laughy faces for that. Now that's currency in the online world. I'm not on the online in the online world except for text messages, and one person I do WhatsApp with, my cousin in England. But in- even in my text messages, now in- if I was on social media, yeah, I'd have one big there because I got ten big happy smiley faces. You know, and that's what that's why we're on social media, isn't it? <laughs> right now. So, this you know that that one grew now someone else texted me, or did I text them? let's just have a look. okay, there was that one, but that one got me going uh, bah, 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 bah. Uh, 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 uh. oh, then someone sent me a a photo of a car um and car number plate, person number two, you know. Sent me nothing to do with coronavirus, and the car in front of her, uh, the number plate was Wog Jet, she liked, and I wrote, love it, <laughs> that's the spirit. The spirit of that is I'm a Wog and proud, and non-Wogs in general would smile if they saw that. It's got a positive vibe. And then I wrote the way African Americans use the word nigger, you know, that's I G N I G G A. Um, tends to be much more confrontational. Question mark. And then that got her going, and she chatted about that for ages. Now, um, but I'm on to coronavirus this time. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, oh, person number three. Uh, now what was I talking about there? Oh, because aha, person number two had sent me something to do with coronavirus. And it was, someone had put something on social media and she screenshotted it and sent it to me. And the text went, well, what is it called, a post? The post went like this. Good news, Wuhan's coronavirus can be cured by one bowl of freshly boiled garlic water. Old Chinese doctor has proven its efficacy. Many patients has, sick, you know, always, oh, sorry, also proven this to be effective. Eight, open brackets, eight, close brackets, cloves of chopped garlics, sick, add seven, open brackets, seven, close brackets, cups of water, and bring to boil, full stop, comma. Mm. Eat and drink the boiled Garlic water, overnight improvement and healing. Glad to share this. Okay, that's someone straight out of Oxford. Now, um, and I replied. Oh my goodness. Could you tell, could you let the person know that even the Chinese are going with total Western medicine and science approach with this one? (laughs) On the basis that millions of people back in the days of traditional medicine used to get wiped out on all continents by the simplest outbreaks of this, that, and the other, even while they were drinking garlic-flavoured water." Um, I screenshotted that to person number four, and he said, Gordon Bennett. And uh, then, you know, keeping the theme going, I uh, texted, it's people who are stupid perverted, and often both, that get these viruses going. I don't don't even know if that's true, you know, but on a text message to your mates, it doesn't have to be true, and cause them to then explode. It's, uh, no, this is dark humour coming up. It's a shame that the viruses can transmit so readily to people who are not twisted and stupid. If the viruses were coded, to transmit to like levels of stupidity and perversion, we probably wouldn't even bother sequencing them. i only got one big... i oh, God got one smiley face for that, a laughy face. You know, the ones with the tears coming out of the eyes, um, that's the big one, you know. Well, I said, I seriously don't know what God was thinking. Making me at risk of catching a virus from some fruitcake who seems to want to root fruit bats and then eat them afterwards... <laughs> One, two, three, four, five laughy faces, but they're the good ones. They're the ones that are leaning over to the side. <laughs> anyway, um, and then I said, Well, I'm not far wrong, am I? And, he's, and he said, Not at all. <laughs> I tell you what, put bats in my mind. Official World Health Organization, I just read who, warning. And I put the photo that person number one, I've lost count of who my persons are. Um, person number one sent me, you know that one with Avoid unprotected sex with live wild or farm animals, but if you find a dead one, go for it. Right. What on and then I wrote underneath, Why why on earth would they draw a bat on there if it wasn't happening? <laughs> it took me twenty years to get my head around chickens. <laughs> and then he wrote, Good God Um when historians study ancient evidence they put more weight on the evidence of ancient laws that seek to stop people from wrong behaviours because that is a rare, unbiased insight into what was going on back there written for local, practical purposes not for propaganda or for cultural reasons, etc. What are future peoples going to make of that sign coming from no less than the WHO we have freaks in our midst I'm afraid to say now I don't even know what started the coronavirus but in a private text to your mates who cares you yeah. Um, know yeah, grab a rumour and make something out of it that's what I say and he wrote you're right there um blah 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 there's always other texts you know um I, oh him he's He's a royalist from way back, and I sent him an image. No longer European, a divided Britain seeks a new identity. Uh, That's to do with Brexit. Brexit happened today, by the way. Okay. Now, then I wrote, Britain seeks a new identity. Did I miss something? (laughs) That's me speaking with an English accent all of a sudden. Britain's got the most well defined identity since Egypt was making statues of tall, skinny cats. What's to seek? Britain's got an identity. There's a racism angle to coronavirus. Uh, I, I, uh, I forgot that that might rear its ugly head again. Uh, now, apparently people are... Uh, are um, what, being racist towards Chinese people in general you know, because uh, coronavirus on the basis that coronavirus started in China. It could have started anywhere. Like, in reality, you know, anybody could have come into contact with a bat. I was at a Paul McCartney um, concert, uh, I think it was about one year ago, and in Melbourne, it was the first time he'd been to Melbourne for a long while, and a bat flew straight at me. I was in the very last seat, nothing but the best for me, but I was in the very back seat in the grandstand at, uh, you know, um, what's it called? Yeah, the old swimming pool, the Olympic swimming pool, which is called something else now, and a bat flew straight at me, but, you know, veered away at the last minute. It gave me a shocking fright, but if it had hit me, I could have got coronavirus right there. Uh, anyway, look, as it happens, coronavirus started in China on this occasion and on the last occasion, on the ca- occasion before that, MERS before that. Sorry, truck, truck. And, and uh, SARS before that. But the point is, you know, it's, um, well, I guess it could have happened anywhere. Uh, now, um, but apparently, uh, there's a racism angle to it, and people are avoiding chinese people or picking on them or something uh, yeah. like you could have an australian chinese person uh, nothing to do yeah with no more connection to this coronavirus than me uh but they're look, being looked at differently than yeah, for example i am okay that happens yep it's not good but it happens uh and, uh, and and no, you know. And I have heard that Chinese restaurants are being shunned. In fact, there was an article in the uh, paper, Box Hill Chinese restaurants are nigh on empty. I work in Box Hill. Uh, Box Hill, Box Hill is practically all Chinese. Yeah, it's a Chinese enclave in Australia, major Chinese enclave in Australia, and all the restaurants are empty people are shunning Chinese restaurants in Australia, which realistically can't have anything to do, can they, or nothing, you know, like, can't have anything much to do with uh, China, Uh, I suppose, you know, Look, anyway, um, but then again, you know, I work in Box Hill, and those restaurants were flooded with Chinese people anyway. So it's Chinese people, I suppose, avoiding Chinese people on that occasion. And um, and I've also heard that Hong Kong is furiously anti-mainland China on this one. I read an article also this just this morning. This is what's given me the idea to put this uh, little clip into this episode. Uh, and... Um, and it is it is not even masked at all, unmasked uh, hatred and disdain for mainland Chinese, a bit political too, but then again, isn't racism. Um, so I think, you know, uh, there would be a racism element, but it, to a certain extent, it's, uh, it's hard to untangle from the other motivations that go into um, uh, uh, bundling or generalizing um, all people who you know look like they might come from where the virus comes from, bundling them all, uh, yeah treating them all as if they are just a walking virus, you. Know? Uh, so I suppose yes. Uh, look, you can even imagine in the schoolyard, you know, kids um, picking on a Chinese kid. Yeah, you're a coronavirus. You know, that you're never going to stop that. Racism stops with me. Well, you're never going to stop that. You know, you can have every grown-up in the world. Um, I, I used to be a child at school. Um, you can have every and my grown my my parents would never, you know, um, condone such behaviour and, um, you know, picking on children because they're different or whatever, uh, you could have every parent in the world being non-racist, you know, racism stops with me, you could actually convince, Yeah, you know, look, you can't, but just for fun, imagine every single grown-up became non-racist on the planet, still in the schoolyard, racism would be rampant, I suppose. You know, something like this breaks out. Oh, coronavirus from China, coronavirus from China, coronavirus from China, you know. And then there's one Chinese kid in the class. You yeah? know, other kids are gonna pick on him. Um, it's bad, Yeah, racism is bad. Um, and, uh, but I'm not sure that it's always, uh, look, racism is real, you know, I've spoken about that many times. Racism is real, really is real, you yeah. uh, know. But you just have to be mindful, I suppose, that if someone's picking on someone, you know, to what extent is it racism? And to what extent is it whatever is motivating the Hong Kong people to hate the mainland Chinese people over this one?, um, you know, because they've got a fear of yellow peril, too. Um, the Hong Kong the people of Hong Kong, uh, you know they fear the yellow peril far more than we do in Australia. They've been rioting for nigh on half a year, I think. Through fear of mainland Chinese influence. Okay, um, I didn't even start to discuss that. All I wanted to do was mention it, and I came to no conclusions. (sighs) Uh, Headlines like that I think, get themselves off to a bad start. And uh, and y- you can end up with a, a long article uh, built on a bit of a shaky premise. Uh, the article could be good, but the premise could be bad, you know. Uh, now, yeah, because, you know, as I... Th- uh, what did it say? No longer European. Britain now seeks a new identity, you know, or something like that. Well, Britain never was European. Uh, and that's why Brexit happened, I suppose. Anyway, yeah, just articles like that can get themselves off to a shaky start. That's all I'm saying there. Coronavirus. Uh, I am not taking it all that seriously. Although I did worry about it this morning. I think I mentioned that in the last episode. You know, I thought, no, no, one of these viruses is going to come and get us one day. But just at the moment, oh, look, it's tragedy and the people have died. Um, I actually did read one that bothered me. You know, one of the deaths. Uh, Bloke with cerebral palsy. You know, he would have been fully aware of everything cerebral palsy you know your brain's not affected at all and he was isolated and it would appear you never know with propaganda's coming through uh but it would appear that um he was just left in his house the family his family was taken away into isolation and it would appear they only they dropped food off to him only twice in a what a week and a bit and um but he died anyway and died alone over in china there yeah, that was a bit, that was sad, you know. Um, yeah, sometimes I can sort of sit and uh, put myself into s- places like that and get very upset, you know. If I actually imagine being there, like being in the house, watching him or something, Yeah, you know, or in the next room, watching through a window, or being the guy, you know, you can get upset. Uh, but then again, you know, there's so many things like that moments in history I remember you know when I read or listen to history uh, sometimes I place myself in the moment and just in my imagination try and smell and feel and everything you know um, and I, I remember with avaricum with Julius Caesar you know uh, because people get very upset about what's what only about what's in in front of their faces usually um, but you know if you took on the Yeah, like people get extremely upset about the refugees, you know, um, Manus Island and all that sort of stuff, you know, which you should. Um, But sometimes I get just as upset about something that happened thousands of years ago, you know, which is a bit weird, but to some extent I'm being a little bit like the indigenous people and taking time out of the equation, you know, and if you do that, uh, you know, what is the difference between um, someone, you know, and in both cases... You've got no say in the matter. What is the difference between someone dying 2,000 kilometres away and someone dying 2,000 years away, you know? Time and space are both just properties of the universe, blah, 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 you know what I'm getting at. Um, They're both of equal distance, you know? Why, you know, people, you know, especially since the internet has come along, people actually, oh, it has to be sexy you know, before you'll get the crowds down in the city square crying into candles, it has to be, uh, it has to have hit, you know, the issue, the tragedy has to have hit a sweet spot, you know, the sweet spot, as in like in a cricket bat or a tennis racket, you know, the sweet spot, um, otherwise people don't care, uh, but when they care, um, there's a term for it that I've heard. I'm not on social media, but they virtue signal. I think they're more than virtue signal. I think they actually do get upset. Yeah. Um, passionately upset. And it's almost in a... It feels token to me, you know, and I shouldn't say that because it's really wrong. Um, I'm a bad person because it, um, sometimes I think, oh, uh, if you're irrational... Like Kobe Bryant an American basketballer who I don't even know. Look, I've heard of his name, but I didn't know. I wouldn't have known which team he played for or, you know, what number was on his uh, singlet. I do now. Eight and 24. He had two singlets. I would never have known that, you know. And people are dying of, um, upsettedness, you know, because of Kobe Bryant. He got killed in a helicopter, you know. But, um... To some extent, sometimes, you know, if you actually, uh, zen yourself, you know, like you actually close your eyes and imagine yourself to be somewhere else, and it, you know, like at the at that moment in time with Kobe Bryant and everything, like lately I've been, um, uh, thinking about Zambia, um, and, uh, you know, that's going through a bit of a hard time, people starving, you know, and I sort of think, oh, I'll try and picture myself over there, and, um... You know, I can make myself just as upset about an unknown person over there as I can about kobe Kobe Bryant, yeah actually Kobe Bryant it didn't really upset me anyway um, I actually was a bit I was sad for his daughter uh, once I found out she'd been killed as well um, and but people seem to be genuinely upset about things in front of their faces or that pertain to themselves. I'm not even going to be able to begin to think this one through. This is a topic, isn't it, that would have been... This one would be really well raked over by the psychologists. Um, I might not pursue it. Uh, I might just let that one go. But coronavirus... yeah, um, yeah. Uh, That whole subject that I was just about getting onto, I might just drop it. Because you've already probably got opinions on that, you know. Why do people get more upset when a celebrity dies, a celebrity dies, than when you know some unknown child dies in the Mediterranean and not that kid Aylan, you know, because he we got a photo of him, so people got upset about him. Uh, yeah, I know he's symbolic then of all children, but I don't know. You know, uh, I actually did get upset when I was reading and listening about uh, Avaricum, you know, which Julius Caesar besieged and then he slaughtered everything and everyone, the babies, the animals the pets um, just slaughtered everything and I was just imagining I tried to close my eyes that's in Gaul you know uh, uh, nearly, uh, uh, just a shade a shade more than 2,000 years ago and I was thinking, wow you know, and um no one cries for them anymore because they don't have any descendants per se. I suppose they were all killed uh, Vercingetriix he was the the king, let's say of that place, and uh, he was brought back to Rome uh, and he had to hang around for ages until the time was right because they had they wanted to they wanted to parade him through the streets. That was the Roman way, and they hung on to him for a farewell, you know you know, in relative comfort, I suppose, uh, because they wanted to parade him through the streets, and then they chucked him down that rock. Yeah. What's that rock called? I forget. Um, no, can't remember. Uh, okay. Uh, there's something there's something rock. No, nope, still can't remember. Anyway, Burst and Getrix, yes, and then they just uh, gave him one last meal, you know, gave him a taste. He gave him some luxury. I said, look at what you're about to miss, fella. Yeah? Gave him some beautiful food and then chucked him, out, you know, chucked him down a hole. And he was dashed upon the rocks below. You know? And uh, I suppose when he, as he fell, he thought, wow, I'm the last of my clan. You know? uh, because he's the only one they didn't kill, apparently. It'd be funny if everybody you knew was wiped out. Yeah. All right. Um, but anyway, coronavirus... Look, I might, I, might, um, I might add to this episode later because I was going to say something else about that and I forget what it was, but I'm sure I'll come back to it. Okay, that'll do for now. Right. Lords, Beatles, Man U versus City, Tower Bridge, The Rough Streets of Essex, Blackadder and Faulty, and every other British comedy, the BBC, Spitfires, Shakespeare, queuing, number 10, It Never Ends. And then he wrote, these people live on a different planet. And, uh, and I wrote, they do indeed. Now, that's that. I should do this more often. Just go through my texts and read what I've been chatting to people about. Remove all power. Hang on, I'd better go back to my texts. What did she say? Oh, remove absolutely all power from the insult by giving it a totally new meaning. Uh, oh, that was my GD. Uh, getting back to that number plate, Wogjet. Yes, so I jumped on the bandwagon there, and I said, and I replied, "Yep." With the transition of the word wog in Australia in the 80s, 90s, the word was never used in anger. It was wall-to-wall comedy, which had the effect of transitioning the word, winning the open, uh, what is it, talking marks, uh, winning the Aussies, yeah, by that I mean European Aussies, over until even they stopped thinking of it as a slur. Uh, Look, there's probably Aussies who haven't had much contact with Italians, Greeks and others, uh, who probably are still living in the 70s, but I mean most of us, you know. Right, back to my text. It was a massive charm offensive, not a protest offensive. This is me texting... Um, now, now, I don't think this has happened in other countries. My cousin in England said there has been no such thing happen in England as far as he knows. Well, he would know. He lives there. Yeah. So I think, from what he told me, the word wog is still a straight slur in England. But here in Australia, you know, we've parted ways. As to America, no idea. OK, back to my text my GD and for the many true racists in Australia, which of course there are plenty of <laughs> the Greeks racked the word for them. It never quite had the sting the racists wanted it to have any more, so the racists got outwitted. Yay is what I texted with a little exclamation mark. If a racist now and I'm, by that I mean in Australia, not in England, tried to say, you're yeah, effing wog, it would just sound lame. There you go. That's all. And then she said one or two things. Um, she got back to the African-Americans, you know. Um, and I said, well, you know, in that way, the word N, and I put um Asterisks, uh, asterisks, asterisk, G G E R. You know, you know what I mean. Um, in that way, the word "nigger" is what I was getting at. Has negative power that's growing, you know, whereas was the word "wog" hasn't. You know, um, the less anyone says it, and by that I mean the word "nigger," uh, the more powerful it's getting. You know? I mean, look, I'm sure there's um. You know, Other people know more about this than me, you know. Look, you're not on this podcast to hear anyone authoritative, you know. I'm just exploring such things. Okay, then I went on. And I said, um, whereas WOG, in Australia, I mean, is like on number plates and trams. And then I just noted, the word F asterisk asterisk K has lost its power too. Yeah, because that's said a lot these days, a lot. Um, I think it was said a lot in the Roman Empire, too, in ancient times. Yeah, that's where, the, where well, actually, I do know. That's where the word comes from. It's an old Latin word, you know. So if you went back to Rome, you know, and you're on a building site when they're building the Circus Maximus or something, um, if it's anything like building sites these days, you would understand every second word. <laughs> right, and that's that. Okay. Oh, and then I noted Allah Akbar or Allahu Akbar. That one too I mentioned. That one has growing power. And she said, "Um, maybe, yeah." And then I sort of had a second think and I said, "Actually, that one has been getting predictable too, hasn't it?" Then she said, "Well, that bogan thought it was funny." I know what she means by that. We were talking about um, there was some bloke who got arrested in Brisbane, and as though and he was just a you know a skippy Aussie bogan, you know he wasn't a Muslim or anything. Um, and as they were dragging him away to the divvy van, he was yelling Akbar, Allah Akbar, you know. And I, <laughs> I heard someone say, oh, bloody Muslims!" I said, "What? He's not a Muslim." <laughs> I can't. I know know the cut of his jib. (laughs) He's just trying to be controversial. He's heard other people say it, so he's saying, you know, you've got to be careful as to um, automatically assuming that someone's a terrorist or something just because they're yelling Allah Akbar, you know. Some people are just attention-seeking, you know, and um, they'll yell Allah Akbar because they know Um, that it causes a reaction. We're not that different to children. I'm out on a walk, and I just listened to that entire episode and um, found it a bit flippant. I'll definitely find it a bit flippant if I catch coronavirus. Coronavirus there's a chance, one of these is going to take off, and, uh, one day, and it's going to wipe out my entire family and everyone I care about, Uh, but still, you know, uh, now, um, one of the more flippant moments was, uh, when I jokingly, you know, said that, um, you know, because someone, someone has done something unnatural, surely, you know, well, possibly, um, To get this thing going, Uh, you know, maybe something unnatural, unnatural relations with a bat is is what the suggestion is, but that could be propaganda. Um, You know, there's no basis of evidence for that. It could have been a donkey, anyway. So, um, and I picked up on myself saying that. uh, Well, saying what? Well, my my sort of half joke was that. If, if, you know, sort of twisted people who might uh, cause these viruses to start, um, if they had a sort of di- different DNA structure which made, made them twisted like that, um, we might not be working so hard to sequence the genome.
1: Uh, the Chinese
0: actually sequenced the genome in no time flat. You know, a couple of weeks and they had it sequenced. Amazing! Yeah, that's Western medicine. That's amazing. That's Western science. To even know what DNA is, that's Western science. And that's uh, Chinese science too now. Um, and if... You know, why did the Chinese work so hard? Well, because they figured that um it mattered to them you know there's a reason the chinese themselves had that genome sequenced that virus sequenced in no time at all uh, we australians by the way had the virus replicated soon after so we won that race uh, right why are we all working so hard well because we're worried you know that it will uh, that that disease will not confine itself just to a few people you know for example the 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 people who are sick and twisted, you know, uh, who, unfortunately, have the same DNA structure as us. You know, if they had a different DNA structure, you know, like they were kind of a different species, would we be working so hard if we knew it couldn't jump across to us, the people who aren't sick and twisted? Well, you are sick and twisted, Charlie, to even make this episode. Yeah, well, true, true. You know, there might be another virus with my name on it. Now, um... I don't have a theme for donkeys. Now, or bats. Now, um, you you might say, that's untrue. Um, We care about everyone equally. And I sort of think, well, why did the Chinese sequence this one so fast and no one else did? It's because it was in China, you know. They had to get onto it quick. It mattered to them. Um, Did they work so hard on Ebola, which was happening in Africa? To which, you know... Nigerians and so on—you know—the people over there where the Ebola was happening might say, "Why didn't you get onto ours as fast as you got onto yours?" You know, the Chinese might say, "Well, <laughs> because it was ours, why didn't you get onto yours?" You know? And uh, actually, Nigeria um, had a debate like that in Parliament uh, not too long ago. I mentioned it mentioned it in another episode. Um, the Nigerians. Yeah, Nigerian government um, had a debate. I was listening to it on the BBC and um, in it they said too, too too much, they said we Nigerians uh, when something like Ebola comes along or something, we either wait for the West to come and sort of work it out for us or you know, we sit and leave it in God's hands. We've got too much faith. You know, we pray and We've got to start being more like the West, is what the Nigerians said. Um, You know, which made made sense to me, you know. These things are nothing to do with, you know, one sort of race, colour, creed or culture being better than another. It's just who's willing to, not leave things in God's hands and figure things out for oneself, you know, that can be cultural. Um, But anyway, the Nigerians said we should be doing that sort of thing. Well, look at this. The Chinese are doing this sort of thing. The Chinese are doing this sort of thing. And they're doing it better than we in the West, I think, these days. The Chinese are getting really good at this stuff, you know. But, um, But I suppose, you know, when, when I said, um, if only stupid people and twisted people, and by stupid I don't mean intellectually disabled, you know, I mean um, people who, like that person who said, who gave advice, um, I've reached my car, that person who gave advice in my episode there uh, that if you have coronavirus, um. then... You should mix up some garlic and water and drink that. And that will definitely fix things because it's proven because he knew a traditional doctor or some of some sort who had proven it. Yeah, whatever that means. This traditional medicine man had done trials, I presume. Um of <laughs> trials in his mind. Now, um but, you know, I think it's true that we wouldn't work so hard, yeah, you know, if only st- stupid and twisted people. And by twisted, I mean people who would get it on with a bat, you know what I mean? Or eat a bat, you know? Or do, do anything that's um, that we haven't been doing in our long evolution very much. And because if you suddenly change your habits, you open yourself up to unexpected viruses and such like things, you know. Um, but anyone who's going to step outside their um, evolution, their evolved sort of um, biology and do something unusual, they're sort of stupid in a way, stupid, you know. Brave, maybe. Adventurous, quite likely, but stupid, you know. Um, like eating a bat. <laughs> and now, um, now, if such people who are so brave uh, had a different DNA, DNA structure and they were catching this coronavirus because they'd done something twisted and um, would we the rest of us work so hard um, solving the problem Yeah. If, if we knew it couldn't jump to the rest of us and I think the answer is no and the reason for that is I don't think we worked that hard um, on behalf of um, the people in the west of Africa uh, during the Ebola crisis. I don't think we panicked quite as much as we, and as quickly as we have panicked this time with the coronavirus uh, because the coronavirus could quickly jump across to us and we felt pretty much Ebola is, was unlikely to jump across the waters to us. Yeah, you know, we we panicked enough, but we did. You know, this one we've really jumped on. Like I said, the Chinese had it sequenced this virus in no time at all, and we Australians had replicated it. And now, now that we've replicated, you know, is that the first step to finding a way to kill it? You know, because if you can make it, you can break it. You know, something like that. But maybe it's true. Uh, maybe there's self-interest at play here, and maybe it's true that. Um, if the sorts of people that start these viruses you know, by living too close to animals, un- you know, unusual combinations of animals, let's say, um, and eating them or whatever, uh, and, and if that in fact is the what caused the virus to jump, um, yeah, if uh, such a virus did... Um, sort of emerge out of a community that was, or a group of, or a type of person that was doing that, and it couldn't jump to other types of people, would we be in such a hurry to sequence it, or would we take our time, uh, or or sort of say, oh, what can you do? What can you do? And we didn't quite say that with the Ebola breakout. We didn't say, what can you do? But I think even... Um, Africans, and I'm talking west coast of Africa, Africans, I think they were a bit critical of the West for n- not being as motivated as they might have been, the West, had Ebola started in, you know, somewhere like Mel- here in Melbourne. To which I'd say, of course we weren't motivated, you know, as motivated. Um, if Ebola had, um, we're not very nice, we humans. You didn't think we were nice, did you? Um, yeah, you know, if Ebola had started off in Melbourne, we would have got right into it and figured it out mighty quick. Um, what to do about it? Um, and we didn't do that. Yeah. But then again, would you, know, you Nigerians have, um, if there was no risk of Ebola jumping across to you in Nigeria? Yeah, how hard would you have worked on figuring out everything about um Ebola? for the benefit of we Melburnians over here in Australia. You probably would have said, "Prayed to God, you know, and I hope those Melburnians figure out their Ebola problem, their Ebola problem, you know. And, um, is that true? I reckon it is true. I don't think Nigerians would have gone hard if Ebola had broken out in uh, Melbourne. You know, I don't think they would have gone hard to try and solve it. They would have sat back and just read the, read about it in the news, but. I don't think many people would have been motivated to do anything about it. Um, We're not very nice. Uh, We're a combination. All this good and bad. If you found this episode to be less than informative and even less helpful than it was informative. Uh, What were you doing here in the first place? You should really be uh, listening to medical professionals for a start. What the hell are you doing to coming to me? Um, This is like people who criticize, you know, people make comments about coronavirus, for example, on social media and other people get on there and attack them for spruking misleading information. Uh, but to those people who attack them, yeah, sure, you, you, you'd be right, you know. They are probably spreading misinformation. Uh, but who expected them to spread expert information in the first place? What were you doing even reading their stuff? Why didn't you block them long ago? Um and why didn't you stop listening to me long ago you know this is about my 140th episode or something and i've spoken nothing but bulldust for 140 episodes and here you are still listening to me it's your fault (laughs) now i didn't really dress up as a woman at the start of this episode I was just joking. I just put this big, funny red wig on. Uh, Alex thought it was hilarious. uh, Yeah, but then again, you know, it doesn't take much to get an Aussie bloke dressing up as a woman. Especially, I remember when we all used to play football. Uh, You know, there'd be the um, end of season fancy dress award ceremony and so on Um, piss up you know sorry sorry, kids but that's what it was called and uh, and my sister actually observed at the time she said you know when it comes to the fancy dress party at the end of the season you can't get in the bathroom none of us girls can get in the bathroom because all you blokes are in there you know with your lipstick and you don't you just couldn't wait, could you? All season, you couldn't wait to get into a dress. Why is that? I actually don't know the psychology of that, but yeah, it is true. Yeah, and especially the blokiest blokes. They jump, into, they jump into the dress first. Yeah, and they spend all afternoon in the bathroom getting ready for the party. They love it. Huh? Hmm. Cerebral. Cerebral, cerebral. Okay, I think I've got it this time.